Praise God. Well, a couple of things before I get started. Um, they're finishing up the discipleship classes. They were, what, eight weeks? 13. 13 weeks. There we go. 13 weeks. And so y'all are coming into about the end of the 13 weeks. So if there's any of you in here that you did not get involved when the first round went through and you want to get involved now, Dr. Brown, wave your hand over there. He's, you can get with him after uh, uh, service and talk with him about it. And uh, so one class is moving up. There'll be people, spaces of, uh, in the first class. And so uh, if you didn't get involved in that, if you're saying, what is this discipleship class? Well, basically, it's just training, teaching, because we need to know what we're doing in life. Amen? And so uh, it's good stuff. It's something that the Lord has, has really prodded us about that we need to get more people in discipleship. And so anyway, that's happening. Talk to Dr. Brown. It's going to come about in the next couple of weeks and uh, you can get involved in that. Second thing is, I'm sure everybody in here knows that Supreme Court made a decision to overturn Roe versus Wade. And I, I praise God for that. I, I, I was really, I mean, we knew it was coming because somebody already leaked it out, but um, I was really surprised about that, to be honest with you, with all the evil going on in the world and the way that the, the government's headed and this and that and the other. I was really, I was really just amazed at why that happened. And I, as I began to pray about it and think about it, I just wanted to encourage you, you know, we don't want to celebrate too quick. Because all it really means is that then now the federal government doesn't, isn't mandating that or saying that this is the way it's got to go. It's thrown back to the states. Still means that we have to, in Texas, we have to fight hard in every other state that whoever's watching today or wherever they are, you're still got to fight within your state government to uh, keep this all <laughs> in the place it should be, you know, in the pit of hell. And so... Uh, so anyway, we need, to not, we need to not rejoice too quick, right? And we're all over there saying, oh, we had a great victory because you still got to fight in your states. Yeah. And so praise God for that. We have a strong state uh, stance against abortion. And uh, anyway, so praise God for that. So anyway, so this morning's message, it's a new message. Uh, it's called The Tactical Advantage. How many of y'all like a tactical advantage if you're going to battle? Amen. I do. See, with me, you got to understand something about me. I'm pure cowboy. I, I, there's no Marcus of Queensberry rules in my life. If I get in a fight, I'm going to win. I'm not going to say, okay, let's mark off the ring and let's put it down here. Okay, you know, we're going to go three-minute rounds. No, there's nothing like that. It's, it's all out battle. I'm going to win. I'm going to do everything I can. I don't care if I've got to throw dirt, hit you in the head with a stick, throw rock, spit, bite. I don't care. I'm not, I don't care. They say this, the nastiest, dirtiest fighter ever. Said, Did I win? I'm, at, I'm looking at, I want to see the win. Hello? Can I have an amen? amen. I want to win in life. I want to see victory through Jesus Christ. Amen? And so, you know, in, 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 in war, there's tactical advantage. Like one of them, it's probably, I, I don't know if these are rated, but I'm just saying one of the best tactical advantages you can have is you have the high ground. You own the high ground, right? It's always harder to fight up a hill. And if you're on top, it's easier to kick them off. Hello? Uh, another, another uh, you can call it the second one or another, uh, the second best is the element of surprise, right? If they don't know you're coming. Hello? 
So I've got this message, and uh, the Lord was changing it up on me. I told my wife, pray, man, I, my God, Lord just changed my message up this morning. And so uh, <clears throat> that happened three minutes ago. And so I'm kind of feeling my way through this to, to exactly how God wants it done. But I know that what he's trying to teach us is that, you know, so many of y'all have such a wealth of knowledge. You do. You may not think it's your a, a real disciple or really knowledgeable of the Bible, but I want to tell you something. If you know that God loves you, you know that Jesus Christ is the answer. All right. Hello? You know that you're saved. You know down on the inside of you, you know that you know that you're saved. You're not even questioned of that. All right. Hello? You know heaven's your home. You know you're protected by the blood of Jesus. You know the devil is defeated and God's on the throne. You know these things. Folks, listen to me. That is, that is a whole lot more than the world because a lot of the world is still out there trying to say, well, is there a God? Or is it aliens? Right? There's a lot of people looking, and, and I don't, you know, I mean, I'm not meaning this in a, in a, in a negative way. I believe as, 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 the, as our, I believe our government should help people, right? I believe that we should help those that are, are, are hurting and whatever. But what I'm saying is a lot of people just look to government to be God, to help them be their source. If you know anything about God and his financial situation and the way that he blesses us and the way we sow and we reap, well, then, you know, you know a lot. Hello? So much more than the world knows. And so a lot of times we have all this knowledge, but we don't really understand the tactics of, you know, of using them, of implementing them. We go along with all this great knowledge, but we, we're just going through life like everybody else. And that shouldn't be a Christian should not be walking through life just like a normal person. Like we're all subject to the things that everybody else in the world is. I, I ran across a man the other day that I said something I, I, and I had to chuckle. I hadn't seen him in a long time, three years maybe. And I ran across him and he said, hey, we were talking about how dry it is. Wells going dry. We need rain. We got to have rain. And, you know, I pastored, the, I, I pastored this church for 30 years, and, and uh, I, I mean, there's been a lot of prayer for rain, right? We live in Texas. And so he said, you know, I've seen, a, he said, I've seen amazing, powerful things happen in my life through prayer. I see, he said, I've seen God answer prayers to where it almost scared me. He said, but I've prayed about rain <laughs> all my life. And he said, it just seems like. It rains when God wants it to rain, and it doesn't rain when God doesn't want it to rain. <laughs> and I said, yeah, brother, but keep praying for rain. So, you know, there, I, I, I can't tell you all the ways that the, the, the workings of God and everything, like, but there's things that we know. And so what I want to show you through this, this series of teaching is how you have great weapons to, at your disposal, but are you using them? Has the devil come in and worked something in your life that you are not being effective All right. in your walk with Jesus? Because we should be defeating the devil and going from victory to victory. Amen. I'm not saying you're ever going to get to a place in life that there's not a battle. That would be against the scriptures. Jesus said in John 16, 33, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. There's going to be some tribbing going on. All right. There's going to be mornings of freak out. There's going to be things that happen to you. There's going to be things. And, and if you really want to know the truth of the Bible, the Bible says that's what builds endurance in us that causes us to have great faith. All right. Amen. Amen. OK. And so I want to this is I'm going to give you some tactical advantages. OK, so go in your Bibles, get your Bibles out. 
Go to the Old Testament first, 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings 6. Now I'm going to start verse 11, but if you read all of chapter 6, <clears throat> basically, the king of Syria was trying to defeat uh, the, the king of Israel. And every time he would go to battle, Elisha, the prophet, would have already told the king where he was going to be. He was getting a word of knowledge. And he'd say, hey, he's going to be over here or whatever. And so they would move around. And every time the king showed up, they never, would, never were there. And he was getting mad about it. And so the king of Syria felt like somebody in his cabinet or his people was, was a spy. So here we go. Verse 11. It says, therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by the, this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants says, well, none, Lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who's in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. So he said, go and see where he is that I may send and get him. And it was told him, saying, surely he's in Dothan. Therefore, he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and with chariots. And his servant said to him, alas, my master, what shall we do? Now stop right there. I mean, it looks like a dire situation, right? You go out in the morning, you look, and your enemy has surrounded you. Looks bad. Looks like there's no way you're going to get out of this. So the servant comes back because a servant is only thinking in the natural. He's only using his voice of reason. He's only looking at at, 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 and and judging the situation by what he sees and what he knows. Okay, he knows. There's an army out there. They're going to come in here and smash us. Hello? He's only doing operating with what he wants to know, what we know. So Elisha says, I don't fear. For those who are with us are more than those that are with them. You see, Elisha wasn't looking on a natural plane. He was looking on a supernatural plane. He was looking. And if you let me say it like this. Okay, give me this one this morning. He, he, he was looking in his Bible. I know he wasn't looking in the Bible, okay, but I'm just saying. He was reading his word, looking at the promises of God and knowing what, the, the, what God would do for him. He's looking in the supernatural, and even though there's a natural army outside, he's saying, no, the supernatural is more powerful than the natural. We as Christians don't understand the supernatural because it's not something that we see. It's not something that we touch, that we get hold of, that we, 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 you know, we can handle. You can't go to the store and buy a five-gallon bucket of supernatural. Right. Right? right? So therefore, we begin to doubt that the supernatural is even there. We begin to doubt that God is... We, we, we respectfully pray and respectfully believe God's going to do it, but then there's things that creep into our lives that try to push out faith. All right. And so we don't really believe God's going to do it. I don't know why it's dry right now in Texas. I, it's Texas. I don't know why we got wells drying up, why everybody's, you know, stressed. I don't know why. I do know why because of men in some points. So we're in the stressful situation we're in. Okay, bad choices by 
people. But you got to look at the supernatural. No, God's got it taken care of. God's got it under control. Amen. And that there's more with you Amen. than there is with them. Now, you know, I would love to see the chariots of fire come flying down, just smack them all, and God sets up his earthly reign. I'd love that, okay? But that day's coming, but it's not going to come till the Father says it's time. And obviously this morning is not the time because we're still here. Right? So therefore, we have to get to the place in life that we're knowing that we as Christians are not just people that are delusional. Believing in a God that we've never seen and a heaven that we've never touched. And we're just delusional people. No, no, no. We've got to understand that Christ on the inside of us, that this is all supernatural. So Elisha says, don't worry, man. Don't fear. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed. He said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. So the, the interesting thing about this is, <clears throat> was Elijah seeing them in the natural? Yes. And so he just prayed for his servant to see. Or was Elisha just by faith knowing that they were there and prayed that his servant's eyes would be open? But I pray that Christians' eyes are open. I pray that Christians around the world, their eyes would be open and they would understand that we're in a battle right now. Yes. For, hum, for the souls of humanity. Yes. It is a battle between good and evil. It is, it is not politics. It is good and evil. It is about winning souls. It is about having a nation that is honoring God and worshiping God. Amen. And I pray their eyes would be open, just like this young man. And it says, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. <laughs> God's got an army. Amen. Yes. He's got an army, man. I tell you what, the Bible says it took one angel to kill 185,000 Assyrians in one night. Amen. One. One. And the Bible says there, there's an innumerable multitude. In other words, you can't, you can't put it to pencil. Amen. All right? And the mountains was full of horses and chariots and fire all around Elisha. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed. So the Syrians hadn't seen this yet. Only the servant of Elisha and Elisha. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord. He said, strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And so he struck, boom, with blindness, according to the word of Elisha. And Elisha said to them, this is not the way to see. So they weren't totally blind. Y'all follow me? They didn't just like see black. They just couldn't see that they were at the right city. But Elisha was going to lead them away. But he said, he, but he led them to Samaria. So it was that when they had come to Samaria, that Elisha said, okay, now, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they saw and they were inside Samaria. He's like, it's like. It's like you came and you were going to attack Sabinow and you got to Sabinow and then this happened. And then the next thing you knew you when you opened your eyes, you were over in Dehennis. <laughs> Y'all follow me? Yes. I mean, they're like, we were at the city gate. All right. It says, now when the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, my father, 
Shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? So he's got them. They got the army right with them. They're blind, dumbfounded, don't know what's going on, have the tactical advantage over them. But he answers that, no, you're not going to kill them. Would you kill those whom you have taken captive with your sword or with your bow? Well, set food and water before them that they may eat and drink and go there, go to their master. Then he prepared a great feast for them. After they ate and drank, he sent them away and they went to their master. So the bands of the Syrian raiders came no more to the land of Israel. What a story. He didn't kill them. He blessed them. He took his enemy and he blessed his enemy. And when he blessed his enemy. All the land of Israel was delivered from the raiders from Syria coming over. What a story. Where do you get the food? I think there's more story to it. Where do you get the food to feed a whole army? So what I'm trying to say to you this morning is there's more that's with you than is with them. But the answer is not to destroy them. The answer is to win them to the Lord. Hello? Now I want you to go over to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 31. <clears throat> Deuteronomy 31, I'll start reading verse 1. These are the last words that Moses spoke to all the children of Israel and to Joshua. And Moses, when he spoke these words to all of Israel, and he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I can no longer go out and come in. Also, the Lord has said to me, you shall not cross over this Jordan. The Lord, your God himself crosses over before you. He will destroy the nations from before you and you shall dispossess them. Joshua himself crosses over before you, just as the Lord has said. And the Lord will do to them as he did to Zion, king of Og and the kings of the Amorites in their land when he destroyed them. And the Lord will give them over to you that you may do to them according to every commandment which I have commanded you. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Now the children of Israel just wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. All of the old folks that got there the first time had died off. It was all the new generation going into the promised land. It was a land to be flowing with milk and honey, a land that God was going to give Israel to, to have their great inheritance from coming out of Egypt. Not being a slave anymore. But you know something? In the land, there were still problems. There were other people there. There was going to be wars. There was going to be battles. It wasn't just like walk in and there was your house built. Wasn't like there was real estate agents met them at the Jordan River and said, we've been working, got it all set up for y'all. Y'all come on over. It was just land. There was animals. There was lions. There was all kinds of stuff that had to be defeated in that that, uh, promised land. And so Moses is speaking to Israel and he's trying to tell them, hey, man, listen, God's going to go before you. and He's going to take care of it. Again, here we see another supernatural event. Moses is standing there. He's not going because he messed up. He's going to go up on top of the mountain and go be with the Lord. But they're going to have to go in there. And do you know that people, they looked across the Jordan and looking at that promised land. But I don't know. I, I know that Jericho was close because that was the first city they went to. But just imagine they're looking across and God again saying, see, I've given you the land. And they're looking like, 
Hey, Lord, there's giants in there. There's problems in there. There's battles in there. So Christians, we get saved and then we think everything's going to just be laid out before us in life. We're just going to go walk into the promised land with God and everything's going to be laid out. And there's going to be no situations, going to be no problems, going to be no sickness, no disease, no, no issues coming up. Hello? Yes. Y'all out there? Yes. But the supernatural event is, and wait a minute, the Lord's going before you. Amen. The Lord's going to go before you and take care of this. You can rest and trust in the Lord. But even them, they were like the Lord. What do you mean the Lord? What Lord? What are we seeing? What's he doing? Is he a big guy? Is he the guy up front? Who, 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 where, what? Because it was supernatural. They had to see it by faith. All right. yeah. And we Christians don't want to walk by faith. We want to walk by sight. But the whole gospel is set up that we walk by faith yeah. and trust in the Lord. Yeah. But we want to walk by sight because it's easier. Now look at uh, verse 7. Still in Deuteronomy 31. Now look at verse 7. Now he speaks to Joshua. <clears throat> now Moses called Joshua and he said to him, In the sight of all of Israel, this is charge he gives him, Be strong and of good courage, for you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. Here you go. He is the one who goes before you. And he will be with you and will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Now, folks, when you got saved and you asked Jesus Christ to come into your life and you surrendered your life to him and said, Lord, I believe you are the Lord and Savior. I believe, Jesus, that you died on a cross for me. I believe your, your, your sacrifice paid my price for my, my sin. And I ask you to forgive me and I ask you to wash your blood over my life. When you pray a prayer like that, you mean something like that, you know something like that. In your heart, boom, at that moment, you have a covenant with Almighty God. A covenant stronger than what Moses was telling Joshua. That's under Old Testament. That's not under New Testament. This is Old Testament I'm reading to you. Hebrews 6 says the covenant that we have right now is more powerful than what everything was anything in the Old Testament. Yet Moses is saying, the Lord's going to go before you. Can I just ask you, don't raise your hand and don't look down. <laughs> Do you feel like that in your life? Do you feel like when you get up in the morning and you're walking out that the Lord is going before you because you have a relationship with him that you know he's going before you? That day as you walk out and to see the battles of life and the, 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 the fiery dart shot your direction, are you like, oh, that's okay. God can take care of that. He's bigger than that. I have a covenant with Almighty God. Is that the way you're operating? If so, glory to God. But if you're going out in the world and you're looking at the world and there's fearful things coming at you and you're worried about this and you're looking with your natural eyes at things that need to change. I'm not saying, listen to me, we all have battles. We all have battles. But there's things that what we really want is a magician. I've said this so many times. We want a magician. We want to say hocus pocus and poof. A cloud of smoke goes up and the situation that's plaguing us is gone. That's what we want. But the Bible says we walk by faith no matter if we see any smoke or not. 
We walk knowing that the Lord's before us. And this relationship of knowing that the Lord goes before us is what gives us the strength that we need to keep going. But notice he says, do not fear nor be dismayed. Do not fear or be dismayed. The word dismay means to shatter. Could I say it this way? Don't fall apart. That's, that's a pretty good translation. Just country talk. Do not fear or fall apart. How many of you felt like before? Again, don't raise your hand or look down. I'm not asking. Looking, this is not a. I'm not expecting a response. I'm just throwing it at you. How many of you have ever fallen apart before? You know you fall apart. There was one time I fell apart. I didn't know what was going on. I couldn't understand why God wasn't moving. I felt like I was all alone in life. And I, I began to pray and cry out on my bed and say, God, what in the world's going on? I don't see you doing nothing. Phone rings. Picked it up. A friend of mine called me and said, I, I just felt like I was supposed to call you and give you this scripture. Psalms. 137. It says, and so he says, especially this verse, I can't call the verse right now. And I read it. And it says, when you're at your wit's end, call unto me and I will be there. And I was like, holy mackerel. He heard me. He had someone send me the exact, just what I was saying out of my mouth. See, God knows when you're going to fall apart or you think you're falling apart. But I want to tell you something. God, according to John 10, 29, says you're in the palm of his hand and you're not going to fall apart. You may think you're going to fall apart. The devil may convince you you're going to fall apart. It may, you may have signs of falling apart. But I want to tell you something. If God's gone before you and he's with you and he's got his hand on you, well, then you're not falling apart. You have just been convinced you're falling apart. Go to Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Favorite scripture of mine. Of course, I'm one of those people that have about 500 scriptures and they're all my favorite. But Philippians 1 and 6, the very first time I read it, it leaped into my heart, became a daily confession of mine. It became something that, that just changed my life. It says, being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. To realize and to think that God started a work in me and that he's saying he's going to complete it. Not me complete it. You hear what I'm saying? He's saying he is going to complete it. And I'd say to him, Lord, you know, I'm a mess. You know, I, I, I got wrong thinking. I got all kinds of issues. Got this, got that, you know. Plague is stupid in me. How are you going to fix all that? He said, well, you just let me take care of it. You just keep surrendering to me and being confident of this very thing that I started good work in you and I'm going to finish it. That in everything you're walking through in life and every problem, and every situation that you're going through in life, I'm going to be there to get you through it. And through it, you're going to learn. You're going to be better. Some things hurt, but we learn from it. Yes. I remember back when I was a carpenter, we, we, we built a, a garage on, uh, for this, 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 these people. And they wanted plywood walls inside the 
the garage. But then once we put the plywood up in there, they thought it was too rough. And so then they, they put us out there sanding the plywood. <clears throat> so if you've ever tried to do that, that's not an easy thing to do. And so we took two by fours and, you know, cut a little block and then wrapped the sandpaper around it. And we had to go over all the walls. And one day I was doing it. I was sanding and sanding and going along and sanding. And then I set the two by four down, my little block. And then I looked up there and there was a place that looked like I missed. And I took the piece of sandpaper with no block of wood on it. And I ran my hand across it. And when it did, a piece came out and just almost went completely through my finger. So being the tough guy I thought I was, I got my buddy to come over there. I said, man, I got a you know, bad splinter. Man, it burnt, you know, that old formaldehyde on the plywood. And I said, man. I, so I stood there and I said, get your pocket knife and pull it out. And so I gritted my teeth and he went to digging and we went to pulling. We had blood everywhere. It looked like we were trying to kill each other out there. And finally, he got a big piece of it out. And oh, man, I kept feeling him, you know, pushing on. I said, man, there's more in there. I said, keep digging. And so he kept digging and kept digging and couldn't get it. And so finally I said, oh, man. And so I put the, the official blue paper towel and a piece of electric tape around it, you know, which is the official <laughs> Band-Aid. And... Uh, certified. And uh, so, man, that thing was sore. Well, it was it was in my right finger. And so in those days, we drove all our nails with hammer. We didn't have nail guns. And so, man, you just go to working on that hammer and that thing's just working on that finger. And oh, holy man, it was getting bad. And so finally, I decided I went home. I went a couple of weeks and finally I said, I got to get that thing out. So I didn't tell my wife what I was doing. I can't believe I'm telling you all this story. Y'all going to have a hard time getting me back on track because I've already forgot where I was and why I was telling you the story. But anyway, I decided that I would cut it out myself because I didn't want to spend any money to go to the doctor. So I got one of those hide razor blades that we always use scraping windows and stuff. And I got a new one and I got in there and I poured some alcohol on my hand and I went into the bathroom and I pushed that thing with my finger up till I could see it bulging right there. And I took that razor blade and I just, I just cut myself. And I mean, I just went to bleeding everywhere and I pushed and it wasn't deep enough. And I was like, oh, God. And so I got in there, I cut her again. And oh, man, I had blood going everywhere. About that time, my wife opens the door to see what I'm doing. Holding a razor blade, blood's everywhere. She said, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm trying to cut this thing out of my finger. She said, Robert, you better leave it alone. And so, so I didn't go to the doctor still. So then I had to heal up over that wound that I've inflicted. <clears throat> so I went about a year and then this thing just kept, man, just kept festering up, just kept getting bad. Kept just, and so finally I went to the doctor. And so the doctor was like, you stupid fool. If you'd have just come over here, you know, sooner we could have got this thing. Well, by that time it's all grown to my skin. And I mean, they had to dig in there and cut and pull and rip and finally got this thing out of my hand. Then it could heal up properly. But because I did one stupid thing, here we go, because I did one stupid mistake, it cost me a lot over a year and a lot of pain and a long ass. And a lot of times we don't think about that. Here we go. Now I'm back on track. Here we go. A lot of times we just want God to remove everything, but we done did something stupid. Hello? And now we got to walk through this situation to get it rearranged. And you know, I don't have that thing in my hand today and my fingers are good and Hello? 
But I had to go through some trial to get there and some pain to get there to get healed. And a lot of times we Christians, we just want to pray. Oh, everything's fine. Being confident of this very thing. Confidence means to persuade, to induce one by words, to believe, to listen to, to obey, to yield to, to comply with, or to trust. Are we going to trust that God is going to get us where we need to be and we're surrendered to him and say, Lord, I, 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 don't want the, the, I don't want to just keep nursing this wound. I just keep believing you, Lord, you're going to get me to the place I need to be. You're going to take me and bring me into the person who's going to have a word for me or or freedom prayer. Or you're going to show me something in the word. You're going to do something to deliver me to get the thorn out of my life so that I can be whole. That was the problem. You see, if that thing in my finger wouldn't have hurt me, I'd have still had I'd have still showed y'all it today. I said, see, there it is. And I'd have pushed it and it would come out about that far (laughs) under the skin. But I couldn't function with it because every time I was swinging that hammer, it was just grinding and irritating on me like that. And it was a constant source of irritation. And so we're going around as Christians in life. We're supposed to be living a supernatural life. We're supposed to be seeing the supernatural. We're supposed to be in this flow and this relationship with God. But we got these hurts, these issues, these pains in our life that are keeping us from flowing in the supernatural because we won't understand what God is doing. But we need to know, first of all, that he has started to work in you and he will finish it if you'll let him. There's an old song. I'm not going to sing it for you, but you know the words, trust and obey for there's no other way. No other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. It goes back to that, you know, it's coming to this place being trusting God. Is he truly going to lead us and get us to the right place? I know this morning I can tell you 100% for sure God has not fallen off the throne. I know the devil's a liar. And I also know he wants to kill and destroy our relationship with our Heavenly Father, with Jesus, and with the Holy Ghost. But God started a work in you, and he's going to finish it. I know that too. All right? So now I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to show you your tactical advantage first. And then if I, I don't know how much time's going, it ain't, it ain't going to get there. But then I'm going to show you what the devil's tactics are and what he wants to do. I'll show you how to walk out of them. Ephesians chapter six, verse 10. You probably know this one, but I just want you to see something this morning. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Look what it says. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. He didn't say strong in yourself. Here again, I think a lot of Christians make a a bad tactical maneuver because you think that you're going to get full of the word. You're going to have all the word and then you're going to be able to stand up and you're going to be able to make it happen. No, you got full of the word so you could have a deeper relationship with the Lord so you could understand what he's speaking to you so you could relate. You could walk in him like that. But he's the one that's doing the work, not you. Be strong in the Lord. Look at this. And in the power of It's a capital H. His might. The power of his. Folks, listen to me, man. I want the power of his might in my life. I don't want somebody to say, oh, Robert, and he look how strong he is. No, no. 
I want the power of the might of Jesus Christ in my life to be coming out. That's how I want to see things happen. That's how I want to see the supernatural manifest and flowing. If it's dependent upon me, I know I'm going to fail. I'll be honest. I'll go ahead and tell you, Dr. Brown, would you put your fingers in your ears for just a minute so you won't hear this? <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I've been exercising and walking ever since he preached that message about walking 30 minutes every day. Man, I've been doing it. I've been just doing it. And my body just, just really started changing, started helping me, just blessing me over. It's hard. I always walk in the evening. Now I look at the temperature gauge. It's 105. <laughs> and I come up with now the new excuse. You could die if you walk. <laughs> To knew what it is possible. Yeah, I heard today there's a warning. <laughs> so all I say to you is that I know in myself if it's up to me and my strength, I'm gonna I'm gonna fail. I'm not gonna be able to do it. I'm gonna find an excuse to say, oh yeah, it's really hot. I could die. There's no water stations out there. African dust is in the air and I want to breathe in more than I've already breathed today. Are y'all with me? I know myself. I know my limitations. When I was a young man, man, I didn't have much limitations. I'd try anything. Now that I'm older, I I assess everything. How heavy is that? I ain't picking it up. Get somebody else. I, I used to be embarrassed. I was too prideful. You know, I had to do it. I had to get down there and get in the middle of it. Now, I'll, I don't care. Anybody. I just, yeah, I can't do it. I'm a wimp. You pick it up. Ain't going to hurt my back. Somebody says, let me get that for you. I said, okay. You start it's like, no, I got this. I got this. No, let him do it. I know my limitations and it doesn't bother me a bit. And you know yours. And we don't need to operate under our limited resources and strengths. We have got to learn to operate in the supernatural. We have got to learn to operate. And I'm not talking about being wizards. You know, I'm not talking about Merlin the magician teaching you to call fire down from heaven. I'm talking about how to defeat the devil because you recognize his tactics, how you're smart, you're spiritually astute to everything going on. And when you see that fiery dart coming, oh, yeah, you miss me. That's what I'm talking about. It says we got to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, I'm not going to get into the armor of God and go through all that right now because you've probably heard a million teachings on that. But it amazes me how many teachings have been on the armor of God, how many great preachers and teachers have taught on the armor of God and how little Christians ever learned about the armor of God and used it. Hello. To be strong, the word means endue with strength. All right. Not not have strength, not lift weights until you got stronger. It means to be endued with strength. 
means to receive strength. Oh, there's no doubt in my mind that you could go on a weight program and start lifting weights and eating right and doing all this and build muscle and get you some big old guns over here, you know, and be stronger. But that's not what it's talking about. That's not what the scripture means. It means understanding, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, means understanding how to receive strength from God. When he says, be strong in the Lord. And a lot of Christians were like this. I'm going to be strong in the Lord. I say, oh, one, two, uh, three, uh, four. Oh, one, two, three, four. We're trying to do it in our own strength and our own ability. And that's not what it's called to do. We're developing a life of knowing the word of God and understanding the promises of God and getting the scriptures down and quoting them and speaking them out of our mouth so that we develop a relationship with Jesus. Without a relationship, you got no strength because the strength is coming from him. And he's the one that's going to pour it in you. I pray each and every one of you knows someone that when you're around them and you're visiting with them and you're having lunch with them or whatever you're doing, you're talking, that when you leave, you feel edified. You feel, what do we call it? Built up. You feel strengthened. Amen. Well, how did they do that? Well, they just were encouraging you. They were speaking good things to you, praise to you, word to you, whatever, helping you out. And you left the relationship. You left the meeting feeling stronger. That's what we say. This is what I'm talking about. But if you don't spend any time with the Lord, then how in the world are you going to feel stronger? All right. I love this in the Passion Translation. This is Ephesians 6.10 in the Passion Translation. It says, now, my beloved ones, I have saved these most important truths for last. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus Christ. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in you and through you. Being infused, isn't that? Infused. Supernaturally infused. That's passion translation. That means you went and sat down with Jesus and came away charged. If you can learn anything this morning, I want to tell you just a little tidbit and then I'll get into all the rest later. But if you can learn anything, folks, listen to me. If you're going to church, if you're praying and if you're reading your word and you're not being infused with supernatural power, then you're not doing it the right way. See, I was a horrible student in school, although I graduated on the National Honor Society. <laughs> I didn't want to learn, didn't care about learning, didn't care about math, didn't care about English, didn't care about spelling, hated it, hated everything about school, except playing sports and girls. <laughs> They were the bright spot. 
But you've got to understand something about me. And I want to just make this real plain. I did graduate with honors. But in those days, <clears throat> I, I was, mm, how do you say, I was removed from classes at time from time and sent to other classes. <laughs> and my greatest class that I took was home economics. It was myself in a room with 25 girls baking cookies. Lord have mercy. I thought I died and I went to heaven, you know. And they said it was a punishment. So when I learned in other classes, when I learned I didn't want to do it, I was just going through the math. I had to do it to take the test. I didn't want to learn math. I just knew I had to do it because I had to pass a test and I was always good because I was raised, well, I mean, I wasn't raised. I, I, they found out at a young age that I had dyslexia and I was always messing my numbers up and so the teachers taught me how to memorize and I could memorize anything. I may keep it some in my long-term memory and some in my short-term memory, but I could memorize anything. You could give me the, the answers and I had to memorize them all. So all I had to do was get them put down on a piece of paper so I did have to study because I had to memorize it. And so basically when it was over with, I mean, it was arduous for me to have to go through it. I didn't want to do it. My point is, I'm trying to say is, is that the way you read your Bible? Are you re reading because you know you have to? Are you trying to develop a relationship with Jesus because you know you have to, because the only other alternative is the devil? Hello? Is your relationship, well, I got to pray this morning because if I don't, all kinds of horrible things will happen. <laughs> right? That's, that's no attitude to be infused with supernatural power. Right? Yeah. No, that's an attitude of, if Jesus was a teacher, he's like, just do your work and get out of the class. Because I had teachers that felt that way about me. Just do the test. Get out. Just go. So my point is, so you got to look at your heart today and you got to say, hey, how is my, my relationship with Jesus? Because, you see, if you don't have that down right, well, then when I go on to this other thing about finding out how the, what the devil's tactics are and how he brings fear in your life and doubt in your life and, and the three, the three uh, uh, ways that, God, that the devil uses fear against you, and I start teaching all this stuff to you, well, then you're going to be, you're, you're going to hear it again, but you're not going to really understand. So you've got to get the relationship problem down first. Right. All right. To where you want to get up in the morning and read. Your Bible to where you can't wait to listen to another podcast. You can't wait to pray. You can't wait to just have everything around you stop so you can say, God, I just want to talk to you today. Lord, Lord, I'm so happy to be here. So I'm so glad I'm saved. I'm so glad I'm already headed to hell. Oh, Lord, I'm happy. Do you see what I'm saying? Christians, there's so many Christians. Well, it's time to go to church. We've got to go over there. Could be out fishing today, dear God. <laughs> I've noticed it so much that a lot of times couples get in problems with their marriage and then they come to my office 
like the last resort. Like, oh, Lord, let's go talk to the preacher. <laughs> I one time did a counseling with some people. <clears throat> and it was just the most ridiculous stories coming out of their mouth. And I got mad. And I had a couch in my office at that time. And I said, I tell you what, somebody's lying. I said, I'm not putting up with this. Y'all sitting there, somebody lying to me. Just lying straight to my face. You're lying. And I'm going to go over there and I'm going to lay down on the couch. Myself, take a little rest. And when one of y'all, whoever it is, is willing to admit you're a liar, then I'll come back over here and we'll talk. But until then, I'm not talking to y'all anymore. I've had enough. So I went and laid down over there. I thought for sure the pressure would break them, you know. Whole brand new counseling method that I'd come up with, you know. I was going to write a book on it, you know. <clears throat> I lay down on my couch, kick myself back like that. Man, in a minute, I started getting tired. Man, in a minute, I just dozed off. So I fell asleep. In a minute, I woke up. You know, I Good gosh, how long have I been asleep, you know? No, they're, they're still sitting in the chairs. I figured they'd have got up and left. <laughs> so I looked, man, it's about 30 minutes gone by. I took a good nap. <laughs> Get up, go over there and sit down. I say, okay, well, you know, who's lying? So I'm not lying. Others, I'm not lying. I said, well, let's go home. Because somebody's sitting here, bold-faced lying. Listen to me, if you're lying in your relationship with Jesus, if you say you have a relationship with Jesus, but he really doesn't know who you are, that you show up at the throne and he has to check the book. Let me see, is your name in here? <laughs> you do have a reservation? <laughs> something's wrong. Look at the person beside you and say, yeah, something's wrong. You should wake up in the morning and want to read your Bible and want to talk to Jesus and want to know, be like Elijah, knowing that there's more that's with me than there is with them. Lord, today I want to be infused with supernatural power. Yes. And when you've got a relationship like that with the Lord, well, then, folks, then when I move into the next phase of this thing, you're going to understand how to defeat the devil. You're going to search seeing his trick. Ah, uh, ah, uh, no. Yeah, yeah, there he is. All right, all right. I got these two coons that are attacking my house. And I had some compassion. I didn't want to just eliminate them. And uh, these two coons are good. These boys are good. Or they may be girls. I don't know. Didn't get that close. But uh, they're good. They, they get the, the, well, I got the cat food in a trash can, a metal trash can with a tight lid on it. And they work together in teams and they get over to the side and they push. <laughs> I mean, I, I want to get a video camera on this thing because they, they miss what? Okay, one, two, three, push. <laughs> And they scoot the can a little bit towards the edge of my porch because they know if they can scoot it all over the edge and tip it over, it'll fall and the lid will pop off. So they work. These dudes work. And I've scushed the can up and whatever, put a chair over it. They move it. They get over there. And then they get over there and they get behind it and they push and they push and they push and they push. <laughs> and I have some respect for them because they're so determined. I mean, I'm like, hey, hats off to y'all. Y'all are really working at this, you know? Now I'm going to start feeding the coon because I feel sorry for him, you know? And 
But they're not letting the obstacles stop them. They're working very hard to get what they want, the cat food. That's how you should be. That's how you should be in your life. You're not going to let the obstacles. You're not going to let the phone ring in. You're not going to let the, the, you're busy that day. You're not going to let these obstacles get around you and stop you from your relationship with Jesus. Hello? Because if you do, then the enemy is going to gain control because you're not walking in infused supernatural power. Amen? Amen? So, praise the Lord. I'll get into next week showing you the, uh, you know, the, the tactics the enemy's going to use and what he's going to do. Show you how to defeat these things and start to give you the tactical advantage over the enemy. Amen? Amen. Look at the person beside you and say, you're going to get it. And if you would stand up, please. <coughs> you know, church, we're, we're, we're country people around here. And uh, I know you and I know your pioneer spirit. And I know that y'all are, are, are hard workers and, and uh, uh, you've got strong resolves in your life. But I just want you to know I'm believing for God to start infusing you with such power. That y'all are going to start to see such a supernatural flow coming through your life. That you're going to start to see obstacles falling down around you. And you're going to just be stopping him and say, what's going on? How did this work? What did that? That was a problem. No, it's not. <laughs> Look at that. Amen? Amen. That's what I'm looking for. I want to see it happen. I know in y'all's lives because I can feel it. I'm going to feel it this morning here in the church. It's going to be great victories. Amen? Amen? Now, let me have my prayer team come down. Now, I've made all the prayer team put a, put a lanyard on. <laughs> yeah, come on. And because uh, and, and we need to know who's on the prayer team. So if you see somebody that's walking around that's not up here at the front, but they're walking around out here and they've got a prayer lanyard around their neck, well, then um, they're, they're assigned to be prayer team people. And so just grab one of them if you need prayer because God's a God of miracles. Amen? Amen. And so he wants to bless you. So I want you just to, to, to right now, let me pray over you. And 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 bless you. And then I mean, I, I encourage you come back, tune back in next week because we're going to get in some real good meaty stuff next week. Amen. But I got to tell you, church, if you're out there watching the broadcast and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, man, right there where you're at, Jesus will still touch you. There's no distance in spirit. You can stop right there and call upon the name of the Lord. And the Bible says you will be saved. You ask Jesus to come into your life, to forgive you of your sins, to wash you in his blood. He will right there where you're at. If you're in the building today, that's why we have prayer team people up here. If you're not sure about your salvation, Ben, I encourage you, do not leave this building. If you're not sure that if you died today, you'd go to heaven. You don't know that you know that you know that you're you're under a covenant with Jesus under his blood. Well, then come talk to one of these people up front and they'll pray for you and they'll lead you to Jesus. And you'll see who man you can get infused with supernatural power. Amen. So I want to pray for you. Father, bless them today. I pray today that this message sinks down within their heart. This message today, Lord God, just goes into their souls. They know, Lord, that their relationship has just been hard and that they've not had the relationship they should have with you. That, Lord God, that today they will turn their ways. They will begin to see that serving you is a joy. Serving you is a peace that, that passes all understanding within our life, Lord. And so I ask you, O oh Heavenly Father, to bless them this day. To touch them, to minister to them this day. That, Lord, as we leave, we... we 
and have our relationship with you, Lord, you just continue to supernaturally empower us to live for you. And so, Lord, we praise you for that. We declare that we're going to stand strong in the Lord in the power of your might, Lord. And you're going to lead us and guide us in those paths that we need to go. So, Lord, bless them today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church.